last week we talked about hiding God's word in your heart. The one spot where it can never be removed. How's that going for you? Some of you take up that challenge and see like, how many of you found it's a little bit more difficult than I anticipated it was going to be? <laughs> I, I did too. I did too. I'm like, man, what is it about that that's difficult? And yet, you know what? I just, the, the value of it, so, so worth, um, so worth doing. And I just wanted to address one thing on that topic is the reason that we're doing it is not out of fear. We're not, we're not terrified or scared. We know that, we're, that Christ, we walk with him today. We're not trying to rush ahead of him or fall behind him. But when we get to wherever we end up in our life, he's there. And he's asking us to walk with him. And he'll be there with us. And that, uh, that truth is what, what carries us. So it's not this thing that, oh, you know, we're, we're terrified of it. But just simply that we realize the value of his word to be pouring it into our hearts. That it's there when we need it. And uh, today, I, I, today is not really a sermon as much as it, in my hope, is an experience for you. I think we become so conditioned to, this is how it goes, get there, there's Gary, then there's three songs, then Mark talks for a long time, then he prays, we do questions, or we slip out as fast as we can, and we're done for a week. So we just figured, we'll just shake everything up. Gary got booted, no, he's actually, we didn't, he's, he's, his back hurt, so if you could pray for him, that would be great. Gary, if you're watching, we love you. Uh, then we said, hey, we're going to just do one song. But I want you to think, I want you to think today about, about these thoughts. So I'm going to ask you a question. We're not, hey, yeah, we're going to totally change it up too. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving today because, uh, you know, it's close, right? So uh, when I say Thanksgiving, when I say Thanksgiving feast, what do you think of? Turkey, let's see. Yes. What else? Stuffing, yeah. What else? Something that was said over there that I'm guessing is related to Thanksgiving. When we think Thanksgiving feast, most of us, this is what comes to mind. But how many of you, this is what comes to mind? Grape juice and a little piece of bread. That wasn't going to be my first go. But today we're going to have a chance to share communion. Uh, For some it's called Lord's Supper. For some it's called Eucharist. And do you know the truth is there's there's many of you who are going to be doing this at home. And you think, you know, don't you have to go to a building to do that? Can I just tell you, even if you're in the room, that this is something you can do at home anytime. It doesn't have to be Sunday morning, Saturday night, anytime. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't too long ago, actually, I came down for supper. Beth called us all in, and we were all going, sitting at the table. And we get to the table, and all the kids and I sit down, and there's like one cracker on our plates and a thing of juice. And we're looking like, wait, I'm like, was it my night to cook dinner? Like, is, did I do something wrong? Like, did, the whole, did all of us do something right? Is Beth just taking the night off? And then I looked, and where it normally would be the, the, um, the pot holder, whatever that thing's called, there, there was the Bible. And she said, you know, I just think it would be a great opportunity for us, just as a family, to consider what Christ has done for us before we have dinner together. And so one of my children, we got a chance to find it and read through some of the scriptures we're talking about tonight. And just to sit there and for, for a few moments together as a family, remember what Christ has done for us. And I'd encourage you, I'd encourage you to do that today with us or, or whenever Make it something, a regular part of your life. You know, we're talking about communion, but all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them, they, they include this part in their, in, in their account. There's, um, they, some of them write different stories and different things, and others take some different, um, some of them leave certain things out. But this one, they, they all write about it. And what's interesting is that, you know, if you have four people see, four, four, four different people see the same event, they're going to they're gonna remember different unique things. And, and, and it comes across in how they, they write it. 
Um, if you read, if you're reading the Bible plan with us and you're on track today, you would have actually read Mark's account. Mark was a friend of Peter. Peter would have told him and, and he would have wrote it down. And then people were asking some questions as they were reading today. They're like, Hey, what about this? And what about that? And I just encourage them to say, Hey, go look in scripture for other stories that share the same other people's, um, version of that same account. It might bring more light to it or look up that word and see where else is it used in scripture? Cause it may bring more light to it or read it in a different translation. And the cool thing about uh, this is that you can, you can do all those things uh, even at once. And realizing, you know, there's stuff that happens before, stuff that happens after. What is that? What do we learn from all of that? And so I, I, today I just wanted to show you all of their accounts in one, including Paul, who later on wrote about this, this evening as well when he was writing to the Jesus followers in Corinth. And so here's the verses and, uh, you know, Matthew's words are in red, Mark's are in blue, Luke's are in green, and Paul's are in purple. And here they wrote this, and they said, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he took it, he broke it in pieces, and he gave it to the disciples, saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body, which is given for you, and do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and he said, each of you drink from it. This cup's a new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. A sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. A sacrifice for you. And Paul would later write, do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you drink it, because every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this, this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And you see just different angles, but one common truth. And as I thought, you know, I knew we were going to take communion. I thought, man, what, what, what can we share about? And there was just so many things. And I thought, you know, I, I was like, God, what are you doing in my heart and life? And how do we just keep this just simple tonight? And so this is a simple thought for the Jesus followers in the room for the Jesus followers watching. And maybe you're not a Jesus follower and you're like, I'm, I'm kind of curious about you people. You know, I, I'm kind of I'm curious about God. I, I believe there's something here for you as well. You know, they had one common truth. Do this to remember what God has done, what God has done for the world, what God has done for me, what God has done for you. And, and, and as I was just preparing for this, and I'd had some conversations with people this week, and all of those things kind of amalgamated into to my thoughts. But I had this question, and maybe, maybe for you uh, as well. Do you ever take things for granted? Just what's the first thing that comes to mind? And don't shout it out. But when I say, hey, is there something you take for granted? What is it? Some, for some, it's a who. We often take people for granted in our lives. Um, do, you ever, do you ever value something less than you should? This happens to me sometimes when I borrow something and break it. And then I realize, wait a second, it's worth that much? It costs that much to fix it? I'm like, oh, I probably should have, you know, valued it more, realized, recognized the value of it. I remember Beth um, was at a, she was at an event, um, uh, the We Love Simcoe, and she was cutting hair there. And then a table broke, and one of the, one of the handyman guys was like, oh, I can fix that table. And he grabbed her pair of haircutting scissors and began to try and, screw the table back together and she's looking like oh those are four hundred dollar pairs of scissors like you snap the point off we are out yep some of the Sim- we love simco people are just like oh we didn't know now you do um <laughs> it's a good thing we uh, do forgiveness but you know but you, sometimes we just don't value something because we just don't know 
We just don't realize. Have you ever had those moments where you realize that your gratitude level just actually needs to go up? Sometimes it's because your spouse tells you. Sometimes it's uh, other, other items. I had this, this uh, a little while back. Um, I don't know if I told you about this or not. I told a bunch of people. But uh, we, we made a, a, a rink in our backyard. Like when I was a kid, my dad, we had this pond. And I was just like, I remember going out there and skating in the middle of the night because he had put lights up. And he made this Zamboni. And he'd make it smooth. And he'd lug hot water out there. And I was like, man, I want my kids to have that kind of experience. And so I did. I hung up lights. And it was freezing and pouring water on the, doing the Zamboni, busting my back, hiring the neighbor kid to help clean it sometimes just so my kids could have it. And in my, my, my mind, I'm thinking, my children are going to be so grateful. Like, they're just going to be like, Dad, we love you. You're the best. We're going to tell all our friends. We're just so thank you for, thank you for clearing the ice. Thank you for making it smooth. Thank you. Thank you for the lights. Thank, thank you, Dad, for digging the pond this summer. I know all the work it took. Thank you. And, and they never did. You ungrateful little children, if you're watching. <laughs> I shouldn't say they never did. But it wasn't quite to the level that I expected. And then I realized, I never thanked my dad like that. So I called him up. I said, hey, Dad, I got to thank you for something that is a long time coming. You know, 25 years ago when you were out there making the thank you for that. And if you're watching again tonight, Dad, thank you for that. But have you ever been there? I think we've all been there where there's something that we maybe should have been more grateful for and we weren't. And I wonder if that's why Jesus gave these guys this thing to remember. This thing of saying, hey, do this to remember of me. You know, my, it's my, my blood, he says, that... It wasn't yet, but it's going to be poured out as a sacrifice for many. It's a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. It's a sacrifice for you. As I read through that and I read through all the accounts, it just that thing jumped out at me. It's a sacrifice for the sins of many, Mark. It's a sacrifice for your sins. I don't know about you, but I think I'm like a lot of people. I don't like that word sin. I just don't. I don't like talking about it. We don't like hearing about it. You know, sometimes like it's even like when we mention the word sin, it can so easily feel like we're judging people. It's true. It, it feels like that. And, you know, I don't know about you, but we like to d- diminish it. I do. You know, it's like ah, I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's just a mistake. And, and, and every time we want to diminish it, we use the word just a whole lot of just. Just a mistake. It was just a white lie. I was just borrowing it. Uh, I know I didn't ask. It's not stealing. I'm just human. And I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I have that sometimes where those kind of conversations in my mind justify sin as if it's not that big of a deal. You know, and that maybe if I'm okay with it, then maybe God's okay with it. And I was reminded of this in my own life. You know, that in the, in the week before the Last Supper, the gospel writers tell this, they, they, they tell these accounts of these women who came and anointed the feet of Jesus. They ate dinner very differently than us. They'd have tables that were very low, and they would all, everybody, most, it would usually be the men, they would all lie on the ground with their head by the table and their feet kind of away from the table because they were stinking smelly and so these, these women would come, come in and different accounts they tell of Mary, uh, the, the sister of Lazarus who was raised from the dead. She came in, anointed Jesus' feet, and they're all like with this really expensive uh, ointment. They're all looking at her like, we, you could have used that for something else. What a waste. But she came to show incredible gratitude. I was going to ask the question, how many of you would be super thankful if your brother died and, and Jesus raised him from the dead? 
Most of you would answer yes. But Mary was thrilled. And it was like, Jesus, thank you. And, and you know, as I read through, I realized there's these accounts. That there's at least two, maybe three different women who did this, who went and just, they anointed Jesus' feet. And I just, one of the stories just, just so jumped out at me. And it's, it's Luke's account of one of them. And so if you, have, if you have your Bible, or maybe you've got this memorized already, Luke chapter 7, go there with me. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It's a little bit of a lengthy story, but, but so worth it. Just picture it, if you could. It says this in verse 36, Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees, one of the Pharisees, one of the religious people, they were actually, their job was to be good, that they were paid to be good, to, to know the rules, keep the rules, so that everyone else could know how to keep the rules and, and honor them. It's one of these guys. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his home, and he sat down to eat. And there they are in the Pharisee's home. Verse 37, when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, and it's believed that she was a prostitute, that's the, the terminology they would use, she hears that Jesus is eating at this man's house, and she brings this beautiful alabaster jar. The jar itself is expensive, but it's filled with expensive perfume. Verse 38, then it says she knelt behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, weeping. Can you picture it? Like, not just a, a tear, but tears falling from her eyes onto his feet. And she wipes them off with her hair. And then she starts kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. As far as we know, those weren't very clean feet, but it didn't, didn't matter for this woman. Verse 39, so when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, just in his mind, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman's touching him. She's a sinner. Just the thought. And then Jesus, who's amazing, answers his thoughts out loud. Jesus answered his thoughts and says, Simon, was Pharisee's name. He says, I've got something that I want to say to, to you. This is all still happening. She's still washing his feet. And he's like, uh, okay, go ahead, teacher. What would you like to say? Verse 41 says, Jesus told him a story. He says, Simon, a man loaned some money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to another. But neither of them could repay the debt. And so uh, he kindly forgave them both. These were some pretty huge dollar amounts. But he says he canceled their debts. Simon, who do you, who do you, think, uh, who do you think loved that guy more? And Simon answered. He's like, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. That's right. Now let me tell you what the story means. He turns to the woman who's still at his feet. And he says to Simon, hey, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. He's like, I already was. <laughs> He's like, when I entered your home, Simon, you didn't. You didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she just washed them with her tears and wiped them with their hair. Simon, you, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time that I first came in, She's not stopped kissing my feet. Simon, you, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with a rare perfume. And I tell you, Simon, her sins, and they are many, Jesus says, they've been forgiven. So, so she has shown much love. She wasn't forgiven because she showed much love. 
She was forgiven, and so as a result, she shows much love, just like the person who had been forgiven the debt. And he says this, but a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, you know, your sins are forgiven, right? And the men at the table, man, they just looked, sat and said among themselves, who's this man? He goes around forgiving sins. They didn't know who he was yet. And Jesus simply said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. As I read this and sort of allow you know, his word to work on our hearts, I had to ask myself, which, which one am I more like? And I think there's times where I'm both. But which one am I more like today? You know, the truth is both of them were sinners. Both of them were. You know, both of them were forgiven much, actually. But only one of them realized it. One thought that they could judge the other person. And I don't even know if they did it intentionally, but it's just they, they thought, hey, I, I'm a, I must be okay. That, that subconsciously they, they end up looking down on somebody else. Not realizing, not realizing how much they've been forgiven themselves. Not realizing, you know, how much sin sucks. How much sin sucks. It literally sucks the life out of you. And I wondered, have I forgotten how much sin sucks? You know, that it, that it over-promises and that it under-delivers, that it leaves you empty and it just leaves you hollow. Man, how many people around feel empty, feel hollow? You know, it, it, I think sometimes it's that thought if God was okay with my sin, if we think that maybe, you know, if he was, he wouldn't have had to send his son to the cross for me. He wouldn't have to send him. You know, the truth is, each and every one of us is broken, born broken, born with sin. Romans, Paul writes to the Romans, says everyone has sinned. All, you're all, we're all in the same boat. It's really hard to point fingers when you're in the same boat. And I was reminded of that again this week, that all of us, all of us were there. We were born there. But it's not just that. It's that I had no hope of fixing myself. None. Sometimes I forget that. You know, being a Jesus follower for a long time, you think, oh man, I don't do some of the stuff I used to do. Look how good I am. But forgetting that I, I never could have got there on my own. Maybe I could fix some mistakes, but I can't erase what I've done. I can't undo my sin. And even when I tried my best, my best is never enough. You know, I was reminded that without Christ, I was just a sinner in need of a savior. And it didn't even matter what the sin was. Because there is no better or worse sins. That's what puts us all in the same boat together. Self-righteousness, that's no better than murder. Pride, it's no better than adultery. You know, it's easy to judge others when you forget where you came from. I was reminded of that again this week. So we sang those words, that song earlier. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. It's not that I feel that every day, and it's not that we're supposed to as Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower, you don't need to feel guilt and shame every single day about, you know, your past. That's the beauty of the good news. But when I realized, you know, my sin was heavy, I needed rescue. Religion loves to jump in at that moment and say, oh, good, this is an opportunity to try harder. Try and be a better person. That's what Christianity is all about. Just try and be a better person. But that is not the gospel. And that is not good news because we never can. You know, I think about this, that Jesus 
didn't come to the planet to give us, you know, a new Ten Commandments or even to be a role model. Hey, everybody, what would Jesus do? Try and be like Jesus and and maybe you'll get in. (laughs) It's not why he came. That's not good news when somebody says, hey, you need to try and be better. Or just you need to feel super guilty about your sin. You know, it's... Jesus came to do what I couldn't do. He came to do what I couldn't do. He came and lived a sinless life for me so that he could die a sinner's death for me. You know, when they say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul wrote to the Romans later and said, the wages of sin, what sin deserves is death. It deserves death. And he says, but the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to get what you deserve. I didn't have to get what I deserved. He came to rescue me. He came to forgive me. He came to save me. That's what he was saying that night with the disciples. Do this to remember. Remember what I've done for you because it says this is where you were and this is where I've taken you. And people have wrote that down in different ways throughout history. Some have written, wrote it down and said, I, I once was in darkness, but now I'm in the light. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind. I couldn't see, but now I see. I once was mastered by sin, but now I'm free. I have a new master. I once was dead in my sins, but now I'm much alive. I'm alive in Christ. You know, as Paul wrote to the Romans, like where sin abounded, when sin felt heavy, he's like, that's when grace much more abounded for us. And it was grace. You know, Paul wrote to the Ephesians and said, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of our works, lest anyone should boast. You know, religion says, try, try, try. And Jesus says, just receive, receive, receive. I'd ask myself as I read this, have I been forgiven much? Have I been forgiven much? You better believe it. You better believe it. I know sometimes people look at pastors and they either think, oh, they're super good or they're super hypocrites. <laughs> There's none righteous. And I've been forgiven much. I think about the feast. wish I had one of those little things to show you because we think feast. We don't think this little thing, but they would have feasts. That, that feast that we're about to do, partake of together, isn't about what I've done. It's not about what I've done in my past. It's not what I did to get better. It's simply about what God has done for me. It's simply about what God has done for you. You know the word Eucharist, which they use for that term, Last Supper, Lord's Supper? That word actually means grateful. It just simply means Thanksgiving feast. We cheapen it by having a tiny little wafer and a half a slucky, as my parents used to call it. They would just, the extravagant feast of realizing, wow, this is what he's done for us. So in closing, you know, those first disciples, Jesus is handing them bread and wine saying, hey, here's a reminder to just do this to remember me. They did not need that reminder after they witnessed the very next day one of the most atrocious things that ever happened on the planet. The best person on the planet, the best man to ever live, was crucified in front of them. They don't even write about it because they just assume people in that day and age reading it would remember, would know what crucifixion smelled like, sounded like, felt like, looked like. We, we totally don't understand that. But the reminder was given for us. 
to remember what he did for us. And that what he did for us is he made us right with God. That when I was broken, he came and made me alive. Where I got it wrong, he came and made it right. And I was just challenged by this one thought this week, that the cross is both vertical and horizontal. That though the one part of the cross is Jesus made us right with God simply by receiving it. That can happen in an instant today. Maybe you're here or watching online. You're like, I'm not a Jesus follower. When I think of God, I feel like, oh, I don't know if he likes me too much. I've got all this stuff going on. I just don't know. Like if I got to be perfect, I'm not, I'm not there. Can I tell you that he just simply loves you and says, I've forgiven all of it. If you'll just receive that forgiveness. I can make you right with God simply by what I've done on the cross. That part's vertical, but it also affects our horizontal, the relationships we have with other people. That night, Jesus, John wrote about it. He said this, he said, there's no greater love in John 15, verse 13. He says, no greater love than this, than to lay um, uh, lay down one's life for his friends. There's no greater love than that. And then Jesus said to them, so now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Why? Because the world's never seen love like that. And they'll know your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Tonight, today, wherever you are, this little bread, this little cup, it's a reminder of what he's done for me. I hope that as we think about it, that's an amazing reminder of what he's done for you. Maybe this is the moment where you realize what he's done for you. And so I'm just inviting you to join us tonight, today, in a Thanksgiving feast, in a Thanksgiving feast. picture it, sitting at that table. It says Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said to them around there, his disciples, this is my body that was broken for you. Broken so that you could be made whole. Broken so that you could be healed. One thing I've found is that the body of Christ is pretty broken right now. All kinds of division, all kinds of fighting over things. Tonight, I just wanted to celebrate the one thing that we have in common. His body was broken so that his body, the church, could be whole, could be unified. And it's unified around this. No matter where we came from or how we got here, it was because of him. It was because of him. So Jesus, thank you for your body broken for us. Thank you for hanging on that cross. You didn't have to. Thank you for staying there until it truly it was finished. We do this in remembrance of you and honor you. Let's take that together.
and he took a cup. He said some really profound words that night. It's a new covenant. It's a new agreement. They would have understood it at that point that when somebody sinned, something had to die. A lamb would die in their place every single year. And he just flipped the script that night by saying, it's going to be my blood that once and for all will pay for the sins of many. Those who receive it, it's paid for, completely paid for. Not because we deserved it, not because we could earn it, because he truly loves us. There is no love like that. Are you free? Are you free? His blood, his sacrifice says we are. Let's do that together. some uh, discussion questions. What jumped out at you tonight? What jumped out at you as you watched this? Would you take just a, a minute to think about that? Think about where you came from, where you were, and what he's done. If you're here, feel like this has reached your heart, I'd encourage you to just reach out to him. Say, God, I believe, I don't know it all yet, but I, I do believe that you died in my place. I believe that you did forgive me. And I receive that right now. Would you fill me with you? Give me the opportunity to take this next step with you. Lead me. He'll save you. you can either sing with us you can just let the words speak to you or you can just speak to him whatever it is like we said just want this to be an experience for you who breaks the power of our sin and darkness whose love is mighty is so much stronger King of glory, the King above all kings. There's no one like him, truly. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Here before you tonight, Father. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life for us. That I might be saved. 
for grace. Thank you for life. Thank you for hope. Thank you for truth. Thank you for calling me your child. Thank you for calling me your friend. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who calls the orphan his son a daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Stand before you. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all.
worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. God, I live for you. Sing it out. Sing. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up.
in this this experience together and I'd encourage you as I would myself to sit down sometimes and just have a Thanksgiving feast he deserves it we will see you again soon